Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm a saucy 29-year-old who left the corporate world to go on to build a seven-figure online business. But most days, I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm obsessed with the process of us getting to figure it out together. We've got epic guests, incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Hey girl, I'm so excited that you're here. I think this topic is so going to resonate with you and you are going to love who we have on the show today. Her name is Judy Holler. She is a keynote speaker. She's an author of the book, Fear is My Homeboy, and she's professionally trained in improv. So she gives this really cool perspective after having a lengthy career in the corporate world to making all of these pivots to get where she is today. And in this episode, we specifically deep dive into her book and and all about fear. And she gives a lot of really tangible tools that you can use to get out of your own damn way, to get excited about your life and to really use fear as a tool to help you get yourself where you want to go. I know you're going to love this. You're going to have so many amazing takeaways. And we actually gave a little challenge in the middle of the episode where if you tag both of us on Instagram, Judy Holler and myself, Keisha Fitzgerald, then we are actually going to pick five winners to get a free copy of her book. So be sure to Tag it with your takeaways as you check out the show. And I cannot wait to hear what you think. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Judy, I am so excited that you're here. Welcome to the show, girl. It is amazing to be here. And hey, girl, hey. I love it. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. We're going to dive into content that I know is going to massively resonate with the audience. But before we dive into all of that, let's talk about your backstory and kind of how in the world did you get to writing this? Like if people haven't seen your book yet, this amazing, like gorgeous book called Fear is My Homeboy, which I mean, it makes me want to just buy a million of them. I love it. Good. Go and, for it. I yeah. love you. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us your backstory. How did you even like get into this career path and yeah, give, give us your rundown. I love it. I'm happy to do it and so happy to be here on your pod. So, um, and I love watching you do all these brave things. So it's going to be really fun to have this conversation. So I'll kind of break it down two ways. So there's like Judy Holler, the human being, and then there's like Judy Holler, like professionally. So personally, to catch a little bit of a vibe here, I am a Midwest chick. I am uh, born and raised in St. Louis. I spent my 30s in Chicago and then I met my husband. And when I got engaged, I moved to Ohio. So I now live outside of the Cleveland airport, like 30 minutes outside of downtown Cleveland. So I'm like a Midwest chick. I love old school hip hop. I wear a lot of leopard print. I enjoy a sequin moment. Um, so if you follow me on the gram, you're going to pick that up pretty quick. Um, so I'm married. I'm a stepmom. Uh, I, I'm the oldest of four and I have a, a, a dog baby and his name is Tito. He is a golden retriever who is three years old and he is legit the love of my life. So don't tell my husband, but I'm obsessed with him. And we and, just to insert, we confirmed that it's Tito like the vodka. So there's that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No, hashtag no judgment. Um, but yeah, like Tito, it was definitely named after the Austin based vodka, Tito's vodka. Um, and plus it's just a pretty dope name for a, 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 a sweet looking golden retriever retriever, right? Yes. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I love to uh, ride on a spin bike. So I'm a Peloton junkie. So for any of your beach body girls or anybody following that, you know, is into a uh, sort of indoor cycling, yeah. I'm a big uh, indoor cyclist and have a Peloton. So, um, and then professionally, let's break this down because I think it really walks us into how I got mm-hmm. to fear as my homeboy. Um, so I'll go high level on this, but I have a background in sales and marketing. I were I built a very successful career in the hotel industry, in the hospitality industry, in the meetings industry. I did sales and marketing for a lot of big brand hotel companies. And I was in that career, my gosh, you know, a little under 20 years. I started in my early 20s and I'm, you know, 43 years old. So I spent, um, you know, most of my 20s and the beginning of my 30s really building a very successful career in the meetings industry. And by way of a promotion, and I tell some of this story in the book, there were some personal things that got me to, to Chicago. Uh, so I won't like do a spoiler alert here because I think that story's fun to read, but, um, you know, 
I ended up finding myself in Chicago by way of not only getting dumped uh, by a dude, but also by getting a big promotion in the meetings industry. I'm 30 years old and I'm in Chicago. And um, it was in this space that I got really uncomfortable for the first time in a long time because I could have, when I got dumped by said guy, ran home to St. Louis where things were nice and comfy and cozy. I had moved to a small town in Illinois to be with him. And then literally 90 days later, he dumps me. And so I had to kind of figure out, and instead of going home, I bossed up. And I went to Chicago and I built this new life for myself where really everything began. And the big flashpoint for me was that I discovered improv theater. So I am professionally trained at Second City in Chicago. And so for your, your listeners who have no idea, improv is a form of live comedy. We have no script and improv, uh, is Second City rather is a very famous improv theater home to some alumni, uh, like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, a lot of very famous Saturday Night Live people have come out of and people, some of my friends that are on Saturday Night Live right now, you know, we were all in conservatory together. So, um, you know, it's a very famous improv theater. And I, I, I I began to study improv theater on my nights and on the weekends while running a full-time job in sales and marketing. And it really changed everything, specifically my perspective on fear and my perspective on getting uncomfortable. And this led me to ultimately doing the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done, which was to quit my uh, multiple six-figure salary and uh, go write and speak and create for a living. And all of my work, while my book is not an improv book, my my work is certainly inspired by what I learned at Second City and in improv and um, really became some, some of the best training in my life to really help me figure out how to move with fear and get more comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, I love that overview. You're so good at explaining all of it. And I love that you divide it into personal and business. And I will tell you, so my fiance, Sina, in their football fantasy league, if you lose, you have to do stand-up comedy because everyone's so freaked out about it. And but like last year... Your experiment. Ooh, we'll talk I about mean, that. I mean, yeah, which is... that I've spoken to thousands of people on a stage before, but the idea of doing improv is like, I don't feel like I'm that funny. So I, I have mad respect for improv Ooh. people because I am like, how do you come up with this stuff? Like, I'm not that funny on the fly. But so here's the deal. We use our training to succeed on stage, right? And improv is not about being funny. Like stand-up comedy, you have to have a script. Yeah. You have to be funny. You have to test material. Like you are a stand-up comic. Improv theater is only as good as the ensemble. So mm-hmm. it is not about the best thing. It is about the next thing. And that is the beauty in it. And yeah. honestly, Improv theater was the first time in my life I found a place that actually celebrated mistakes and failures and embarrassing stuff as our juicy gifts. And this bled into my personal life. And one of my favorite mantras, and I talk about it in the book, that inspired me the most is this idea of no mistakes, only gifts, right? So you think of anyone listening that is running a business or wanting to run a business or wanting to boss up or wanting to make the phone call or wanting to leave the toxic, all this stuff Mm -hmm. that we don't do. We are so afraid of failing and we're so afraid of like being perfect and funny and the best when really that's not what it's all about. It's about how are you showing up Mm -hmm. and are you moving forward little by little, little by little every single day in order to really succeed the way you want. So improv really, you grow, you crush it (laughs) because you, you, you know, you, you, it would be a, a really awesome fear experiment for you because all you need to do is show up and bring that, bring that trust in yourself. And, you know, uh, you would succeed. I promise. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Okay. So when, so take us back to the stage. Cause I think there's a woman listening to this right now who is in a career path that on paper, she has all the things, right? You had a multiple six figure salary. Like you're in this like career path. You could have stayed in that career path, but you chose to go do something else and take a, you know, a pivot and write this book and build up this speaking career and really make your life about impacting people in such a massive way. What did it feel like when you were in it? And you knew that you needed to take another step in a different direction. And um, what, like, how did you do that? How did you start? Because I know you said you were studying at night, um, improv and all that. But walk us through that feeling and kind of the first steps that you took. 
So the feeling of me being in uh, the improv environment or the environment of wanting to make a change? In the environment of wanting to make a change. Okay. Yeah. So that feeling was absolute terror all the time because I had no idea how I was going to do it. I did not believe, I, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I had something to say and I was learning some things that were changing the game and that I was made for something more than I was doing. And I would go to these conferences and I would watch these speakers rock the big beach body stage or whatever yeah, it may be. Yeah. And I would be like, I, why, I, not everybody wants to be a speaker. And I guess I didn't know I wanted to be a speaker or a creator. I mean, I had taken like speech meet. I did like speech meet in grade school. And I, you know, was a radio television major in college and communications minor. And I, you know, did a little bit of theater. It wasn't like a theater kid, but I always loved like in my sales job, I loved presenting. Yeah. I loved telling stories. So I would go see these speakers and I'd be like, well, I would love to do that. And I feel like I could do that. But like, what am I going to say? And what is my point of view? And how do you even begin? I knew nothing. But all I knew is that I felt my heart being called and I was just scared and I felt a little stuck. So how it began, so the feeling was scary and confusion and overwhelm and anxiety and imposter syndrome, all the self-doubt, feeling like I'm too late. I was 30 years old when I took my first ever improv class. So let that land. I know your listeners are probably in that 25 to 35, but I think even think about that. If you are 30 years old listening and you feel like you are too late, there are 25 year olds that feel like they're too late. Girl, you are right on time. Mm -hmm. Dear boss, you are right on time. So number one, it is normal to feel that way. But what, how I started packs a big punch. And I love that you asked this question. So um, it was a multitude of things, but I'll kind of go high level and give you like three to five things that I think were really important. So number one, I started way before I was ready. So I had did not quit my full-time job until I had been kind of beta testing this for years for free. So I just kind of started with a blog. I just started a blog. I Googled how to start a blog and I just started writing about it and it picked up a little traction. And then I said, okay, I'm going to ask my boss and I'm going to see if I can lead the next sales meeting at work. And so I would just start leading these sales meetings. And I'm sure my sit team was like, oh my God, another Judy improv like freaking <laughs> sales meeting. But like, dude, it was like, I was like learning, I was practicing and I was so excited. And then I had my little blog. And then I was um, very involved in an association in my world, which was called Meeting Professionals International. And I ended up becoming president of the Chicago chapter, which was the largest chapter in the world. So it was a big thing for me, but they always needed, this association always needed speakers. So I would for free, because I had a salary, I would for free speak for anywhere, anywhere I could. But here's what, so number one was speaking for free, right? Well, number one was starting before I was ready. Number two was speaking as much as I could for free, just trying to get a point of view and Get become a better speaker and figure it out. Point number three was that I, at those talks, started building a little bit of a list. So I pass out these like pieces of paper. And it was like, if you liked this talk, if you know anyone that could benefit from this talk, leave your email and we'll follow up. Yeah. And oh, by the way, you have to leave your email to get the toolbox from today's session. And so it was how I built my little list, which ultimately became my big, massive blog. And uh, my now what is called my Friday Fear Boss 5. And it's one of the most popular things I do. And then that turned into paid people seeing me speak for free going, oh my God, you know, you could come to my company that turned to pay gut gigs. And then that turned into probably tip number five, which would be, uh, you know, I had been saving any money that I earned. I just saved and saved and saved. I wasn't married. I was single. I mean, I was doing this on my own. My husband, I did not have anybody helping me out. I started my business when I was like single girl. And so I just saved all my pennies and I one day my, my director of sales sat me down and he knew, they knew what I was doing. I was using my vacation days because I was starting to make some money and I was using my vacation days to go do this. And they loved me. And, and, and they said it was like in April and I ended up quitting in July of 2016, but this was April of 2016. Uh, my director of sales at the time sat down and he goes, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? It is the end of our fiscal year. Like, as the year was ending, like June 30th, yeah. July 1st was our new year in the organization. And he's like, it, you got to make a choice. He's like, this is just, and it was almost like that ultimatum. Like I knew what I needed to do, but I was like, yeah, I do not choose you. I do not choose you. (laughs) And I did it. And I, I was so, I remember calling my then fiance. I was like, Scott, he's like, what's up? And I'm like, I I just quit my 
job. I, I think I just quit my job. And even telling you that I get like tears in my eyes right now because it was like the beginning of the rest uh. of my life. And, but I had done the work. I had done the work since that was in 2016 in 2011. Like, to, you know, 10, 11, I had been starting to like film myself and record and do free speeches and and I started saving money seriously in 2013. And so I had a nest egg and you know what? The opportunity came and I kind of got pushed. I kind of needed that push yep. to get out, but I, I also knew it was time. It was like the best thing. So that's kind of the story. So it. for anybody listening, I mean, yeah, I walked through a lot of that fear, but I also had a little bit of a plan um, because I always knew if it didn't work, I can go work in a hotel. I can get I can 10 bar. I will work at a freaking Starbucks. I will figure mm-hmm. this out. Um, but I knew I had a gift and I knew I had something to say. And I knew that it was resonating because I had been putting it out there for years before this and I was building a following. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful for the woman that, you know, thinks that she has to have a back against the wall type situation to follow a passion that she could develop. And also to the woman who's thinking that it's quote unquote taking too long. It's like, what's the damn alternative? Like you're building this skill set that you need to learn and this following and this email list and all of the stuff that you were doing on the side, because people can look at your amazing book now and they could see you speaking on these stages and they forget how much freaking work went into that before you even made the choice to pursue this full time. So I really appreciate the deep dive in that because I think a lot of times we're thinking, you know, a lot of you know, listeners are thinking, oh, that success is going to look like this. And it's going to be so linear when it's like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Like, um, so I appreciate that. Oh my that. God, like bless the mess. Like yep. I'm always like, bless the mess. Yep. Unless it's in your house because clutter is fear, <laughs> right? And you're in your own place. So like, I don't bless the mess like because that is a way fear manifests. But I do say bless the mess when we're building and when we're creating. And someone said something to me because like, you probably have a lot of people who create like yep. content and mm-hmm. they're creating things for their business. Someone, I heard this on a podcast the other day. And I think it's from Chase Jarvis's new book called Creative Calling, which mm-hmm. I'm recommending like big time to everybody listening. Um, if you're, you're wanting to be more creative, but he's like, you didn't like found your company. You're not the founder of your community. You're the creator yeah. of it because all of us are creating every single day. And well, you create and found this podcast. Yeah. You just go, Oh, look, there's my podcast. No girl, you work. You created, you sat down, you built, you got uncomfortable, you reached out, you learned, you Googled, you went to school, Yeah, the school of hustle to build this podcast, right? And so I think that's a powerful reminder that we all start at zero and there's a lot of work involved, but we're all creating. We are born creatives and we are born with that brave ability to put our perspective, like be like, I was liking myself to a DJ, you know, nothing I'm talking about hasn't been discussed before, but I'm remixing it like Dr. Dre, right? I'm like (laughs) remixing and I'm putting my flavor on it. Um, and my perspective and my stories, and that's what will always make the work original. And that's what, what will always make you original, right? Your stories, your vibe, your energy, your twist. Yes. And someone is going to so deeply connect with you or I or both of us and not with someone else because of the fact that you're putting your DJ like Dr. Dre on it. <laughs> so I love that you just gave me a record scratch. I you felt know, like it was appropriate. I was like, insert like so producer, good. add record scratch. No. Um, so good. So, good. Um, so, okay. Let's talk about fear because obviously that is, that's your homeboy. And <laughs> I want to talk about what is fear in general from your perspective and kind of how does a woman listening to this who's feeling it kind of start to work through it when that feeling comes up, how to dance with it? Like give us kind of just your over overarching view on fear. And then let's talk about some ways to kind of dance with it. Yeah. So this idea of like fear is my homeboy is sort of like a really fun pop culture way to say fear is my friend, right? I truly believe that we will never be able to outrun our fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what you fear as a 20-year-old is very different than what you fear as a 40-year-old. Men and women, we process and internalize fears very different. And fear manifests so differently for so many of us based on what we've got going on. I mean, fear is procrastination and perfectionism and gossip and self-doubt and clutter. And there's so many different ways fear shows up, but the goal of fear is always to stop you, to confuse you. You, mm-hmm. to trick you, to make you um, 
surrender this thing that your heart feels called to do. So I've, I've come to find out that fear is going to look different for everybody based on what we've got going on. Um, and also, why are we trying to waste our beautiful, precious energy trying to r- outrun something that we'll never be able to outrun? Like, mm-hmm. we will never be able to control other people, places, or things. Uh, none of us wake up with a script, just like the improv theater. We have no script. Neither do you. Okay? So we are moving through life um, every day without a script. But what we can always control is how we show up and how we react. And I believe it's our guts and our courage and our bravery that really determines our destiny. So this book is designed to help you to to throw a little ice cube at you. Uh, It's going to help you check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, it's really... I'm in love with you. Okay, sorry to interrupt, but I just love you. Old school. I love me some old school hip hop. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a recipe. This book is a recipe to help you avoid self-destruction. So when I think about fear, fear is going to look different for everybody but why are we wasting our energy trying to uh, get rid of something that we, we are never going to be out, able to outrun? And I think maybe an even more important conversation you and I could have right now too, like segue off of your really great question, is the, the difference between being fearless and fearing our fear less. Yes. So if it's cool with you, I mean, I got to almost have a rant on the word fearless. I can't 100% rant, girl, preach, do all the things. Let's go. <laughs> okay, so let me break this down a little bit. Yeah. So I think a lot of people use the word fearless out of love, right? They mean like, oh, you're girl, you're so fearless. Like, oh, we, we, I want to be a fearless. And there's stickers and t-shirts and all the stuff yeah. telling us to go be fearless. And I think that's what makes things really confusing. We've got our focused on this, un, we've got our focus on this unrealistic notion of being fearless. But if you really think about it, if you were really truly fearless, you would you would never go to a doctor. You would never pay taxes. I mean, would you? I wouldn't if I was really fearless about that, right? Like you would walk down dark alleys alone at night by yourself. You eat these poisonous foods on purpose because you just wouldn't know any better. Uh, And there's a book called Big Magic and and Elizabeth Gilbert wrote it. If you haven't, you're shaking your head. So I think you know what it is, huh? Mm -hmm. Great book. Um, And in it, she wrote wrote about this idea of fearless. And she said, listen, the only fearless people I know are like five-year-olds and sociopaths. And we do not want to be either one of those things. So the goal shouldn't be fearless. The goal should be figuring out how to fear our fear less. And this is what makes you brave. And I believe that fear, so I love this. We've got a lot of beach body people listening to this, which is so cool. So I liken fear to a muscle. So just like we go to the gym to get strong and we lift those weights to build our muscles, we will lose our fear muscle. We will never have a strong fear muscle if we are not using it. So I'm going to take you to Fear Boss Fitness. And what we're doing at Fear Boss Fitness in the gym every day is picking up discomfort. And the weight we're picking up is this idea of getting uncomfortable on purpose. And, And I call it experimenting with your fear. So I on the regular, and maybe we go here next, I am running big and small fear experiments every single day on purpose to work my brave muscle. And this is what keeps me strong in Fear Boss Fitness, and it really helps me work my brave muscle. And we can we can break that down if you want. I absolutely love that. I think that analogy is really powerful because it just, it creates this like openness that it's like, I want to go do these things and I don't want to say, like screw, it's kind of like when people say like screw the haters or screw what people think. Yeah. I'm like, but in reality, we're designed to connect with people. So like maybe the idea is more care what you think most and then understand how to kind of navigate that. So I love that your take is really similar on fear. And I'd love to talk about those experiments. And I just, I just love the content of your book. So like, let's talk about the experiment side of things and like maybe a little bit about like the mistake parties that you encouraged in one of the chapters. Oh, mistake parties. That's so good. So yeah. don't let me forget what we'll go there next, yep. but I- you know, if your listener loves tactical, tangible things, yep. this is a this is a tactical. It is like the big idea behind my work, and um, it is what we're building out even more so because I've really come to discover this idea uh, even more robustly as the book has come out, and we start to collect stories from all the fear bosses in our community. That's what we call the people that follow our work. Our community um, we're called fear bosses. This means we're the boss, not our fear, and yes. so it's this fear boss family, right? And so um, we're getting all these DMs and messages of things people are doing and the ways people are experimenting with their fear. And it's the big idea behind the work. So I liken it to like, I like to think of myself 
And I want you to think of yourself as like a fierce scientist, like a fierce scientist. And you are out there experimenting with your fear. So instead of feeling so overwhelmed or afraid about some big, scary thing you need to go do, can we flip the script and start to look at it as an experiment? So say, for example, you want to start a podcast, but you're like, oh my God, everybody has a podcast and I'm no good and oh my God, this and, blah, blah, and all the things we do, right? Or I want to write a book and oh my God. Well, how about we just run an experiment? I'm going through this right now with the whole podcast thing, right? It's like, okay, well, do I want a podcast? Do I not? Okay, all these things that go through your head. So let me run a, air quotes, bunny ears, podcast experiment. Let's just start playing with it. Let's go see what happens. Why do I have to hold myself to the fire? Let's go dance around with this. And so over the last 15, 20 years of my professional career and certainly my my new career as an entrepreneur, I have been running fear experiments almost reg- daily, very regularly to work this muscle. So I've done really big things like quit a job, like become a step parent, like move to a new city, uh, speak up to a toxic person, quit a bad habit, big fear experiments. But then I do small, juicy little things every single day as the mad fear scientist that I am to work that brain muscle. So I will, uh, for example, like I'll switch switch my coffee for matcha tea one day to see what's up with that. I'll listen to a new Spotify station. I'll take a different drive home from, you know, say you have a drive to work, you flip up your drive. I'll be at the grocery store and I'll take a selfie of myself in public (laughs) to get better at not caring what people freaking think. I will raise my hand first in a meeting. I'll speak up first on a conference call. And then every night I write down the experiments I've done that day. You know, maybe it's picking up the phone and freaking call my mom. Maybe it's texting, calling my sister instead of texting her. Maybe it's whatever, reading 10 pages of a book. So every night I am calling myself to the fire saying, girl, what did you do today? How did you get uncomfortable? And have you shaken it up enough? Because I think anyone who wants to make anything happen and anyone who really wants to fear their fear less, they have to figure out how to get uncomfortable. And by running fear experiments every day on purpose, we sort of naturally in a fun way, uh, work that brave muscle and begin to experiment with our fear instead of fearing these things that we need to go do. You know, why do we give the power to our fear? Let's take it for ourselves. And it feels so good to be able to measure your own growth in a way, right? Like of quantitative, quantitatively, um, you know, looking at the amount of things that I did, like, oh, I did this and this was uncomfortable. Or like Tony Robbins, you know, says that as humans, we love progress and that's like what makes us happy and fulfilled. And so it's like, you're, if you can't measure it, it's hard to get to get the full experience of progress. And this is so real time tangible of like, this is how I'm going to be get, getting myself to be more confident and also braver. So I love that. Well, you could give your listeners, we'll give them a homework assignment right now. Yeah. Like you are listening to this podcast. I don't care where you are. Make it a goal by the end of the day today. Unless you're listening to this in bed, you're going to have to do this tomorrow. Because sometimes I listen to pods like before yeah. I go to sleep. Uh, but if you are like walking around your life today, your homework assignment right now is to get uncomfortable by the end of the day today, mm. right? Do something uncomfortable. Get outside of your comfort zone and be and be recording those brave moments. And another cool thing about this, a client and I were talking about this and she goes through like, she had a scary doctor's appointment or, or maybe no, she was giving a speech. She had a speech coming up and she had to speak in front of like all these people. Like, you know, and she's terrified of public speaking, which a lot of people are. It's very, even as a speaker, it's very, I work professionally as a keynote speaker. That is what I do for a living. That is how I make the majority of my money. Uh, speaking and writing and I still get nervous. But she said, I had this speech and I just flipped through my nighttime. She does these little, this like nighttime journal. And she She's like, I flipped through all my fear experiments. She's like, dude, I have done way more scary things than this. And it just was this like to what you were saying, it, you know, that confidence is contagious. And I think we can prove to ourselves over time that we can do scary things, uncomfortable things and live to talk about it, which gives us the courage to keep doing uncomfortable things, yes. which makes us braver. Ugh. And I, I love that you say it that way because it's not like you're going to ever arrive at confident or arrive at brave. And I think sometimes it's portrayed that way when in reality, not only is it wavering based off of your mood and kind of what you're going through, but it's really like these little tiny deposits consistently. And you just gave a tangible way to actually build those deposits. So I love that. And you know what we should do? I just thought of this like off the cuff, but for the woman listening to this who does something that is uncomfortable today, tag both of us in the podcast and I'll give away five books to five people that tag us. You can get Judy's book. 
So, and same, same. And I'll give a book, a book away too. like tag us. And we're encouraging that, like use the hashtag. And I don't know what your hashtags are. You can share yours. Um, cause I don't know yours, but if you use hashtag tag me and just use hashtag fear is my homeboy or hashtag fear experiment, but definitely tag me us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll throw you, I'll throw you a book for doing some brave stuff, but we want to encourage these conversations and certainly follow along on the Instagram because we're really building a community that is out there encouraging these like sort of fear experiments as a way to move our lives forward. So yeah, I love your, I love that idea. I love, I, it. I love it too. Okay. So also let's talk about the mistake party stuff that yeah. you, t- cause I think a lot of women listening to this might have that feeling of like, okay, I'm ready. Like I want to build that confidence. I want to learn how to navigate this fear feeling and see it for the gift that it is. But they're scared of failing. They're scared of making a mistake. They're scared of what other people think about them failing. They're scared of, you know, we all are, but how do you help her navigate this? And what are some of the tools that you use to navigate this for yourself? Yeah. So yeah, failure, uh, embarrassing ourselves, getting fired, messing up, you know, all these things we get so worried about. And that is all fear. And it's, oh, by the way, totally normal. It is a part of the territory. You know, if you want to, you know, like Brene, you know, we want to step into the arena, you got to be ready. You know, you got to put on the big girl pants, right? And you got to be ready because it, we are going to make mistakes. But, it, you know, if we are not failing, then it's just as easy to say that we're not succeeding either. And this is why that mantra of like no mistakes, only gifts just really pulls at my heart the most from the improv theater because why do we give the power to the fear of failure and the fear of embarrassing ourselves and the fear of falling down when it's just a beautiful part of our journey. So when I was working in corporate America, and one of the things certainly I did in my like association work and just throughout my life is I would throw mistake parties. Like we would like run a conference room, get some cake pops, (laughs) some flip charts, get the Krispy Kreme, whatever people do in the office world. And we would literally get in a room and it'd be like, okay, this sucked. And this was hard. And we made some mistakes or we had a big failure here, but what did we learn? And who are we as a company, as a team, as an organization, as a human being on the other side of this mistake, of this failure? And I think it's so easy to call a team uh, or yourself to the carpet when you've done something wrong and you beat yourself up and we got, how are we going to fix this? And blah, blah, blah. And it's negative. That is fear. That's a fear-based culture. That is fear-based leadership. And that's a fear-based life. I don't want to give my power to the fear because remember, I'm a fear boss. So a fear boss decides to do what fear doesn't expect and throw it a party. So I'm going to be like, oh, high mistakes, high failure, high embarrassment. Welcome. Now, what did we learn? And how have you helped me? How have you served me today? And so getting a list together of all the things that you've learned and grown and achieved and become on the other side of anything scary or embarrassing or that that failed is a really powerful way to move forward. You know, we worry about what, what could go wrong, right? We worry about all the mistakes we could make, but there's so much more power in leaning into the idea of, okay, well, what could go right? Mm-hmm. And what's the best that could happen? And then let those lists be your anthem and your motivation uh, through anything scary that you are about to attempt. You know, what's the best that could happen? What could go right? Um, and a mistake party is a very similar idea. It's like, I'm not going to give my power to the fear. I'm going to give my power to myself. And in doing that, we reflect and we, um, we become students and we become little fear scientists. And we kind of break this down uh, to see what we can use in order to move forward. Oh, so good. I love the way your brain works, girl. Uh, Thank you. So, okay. From that to the woman who's needing to like right now take action on something and she is feeling fear. Do you have anything that you do in real time? Like maybe before you're going to keynote or you're going to appear on something or whatever it may be to kind of just get yourself in check that she might be able to use as a tool. Oh, yeah. So if you have some people listening that speak on stages and have to give presentations, I think all of us have to figure out how to perform. You don't need to be a professional speaker, um, but I think there is such a power. We need more women on our stages, A, right? I am never, I'm like, go girl, get on that stage. I am not, I don't have a competitive heart. I come from an abundance mindset. So I, I love seeing women rock our stages. And I think there is a real gift in getting confidence. You don't need to be you know, the best speaker in the world, but to be able to deliver and orate on a stage is a powerful tool to have for your business. So there are three things I do before any talk. Yeah. If you want to hear some tactics. Yeah. So number one thing I do is I always tell myself I love myself. Like mm-hmm. I always am like, girl, you got this. I love you. And 
thank you. Because there were many years that I wanted to be where I am today. So instead of being nervous, I just like step into gratitude and I'm like, all right, thank you. I am here. I have been paid money to be here. And this is like living my dream, like gratitude, love myself. Number two, I get, I get real quick into a power pose. So do you know what power posing is by Amy Cuddy? So yeah, I always, so sometimes I have to do it in like a bathroom stall. Sometimes I'm doing it behind the stage. Sometimes I'm in a green room. It just depends on the set, but I always do like at least 60 to 90 seconds of a power pose, like raise my vibration. And then the other thing I do always is I listen uh, to something that raises my vibe. And honestly, my anthem for the year has been Unstoppable by Sia. So I put in my AirPods and I just catch a damn vibe. And usually I'm listening to Sia while power posing um, backstage. And, and those are little silly tactical things. It's kind of like my pregame rituals. Yeah. Um, but those those ideas help me uh, you know, into action. And then it's just stepping onto the stage. And I've always found that you know, when you're 60 seconds into a talk, you've been on a stage, 60 seconds into a talk, you're in too deep with momentum. Mm-hmm. So the fear has gone. So I guess that would be idea number two for the woman listening that is stuck, is not moving forward, is afraid to do whatever it is in her business. Um, I microdose. If I am really in deep with some fear and some anxiety and procrastination and perfectionism, I go small. So I take those big, scary things and break them down. So for example, you want to start a journaling practice. I think we don't do it because we think we need to like journal with birds chirping, (laughs) coffee on the porch for like 45 minutes in order to make it effective. No, set a timer for two minutes and just write until that timer goes off. You have journaled. Uh, People want to meditate and get more mindful. Mindful, the real definition of mindful is being aware of where you are in that moment. So you could just literally take the pressure off yourself. You don't need to like use 25 apps and have essential oils burning and a Zen Buddha (laughs) moment. You can literally just stop in your car and just turn off your radio and look at the sky and breathe for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. That is being mindful. You know, I did that the other day. It was like this beautiful day. And I just turned off the podcast I was listening to. And I just like looked at these like cotton candy clouds. And I just was like, this is a moment. Like what a day to be alive. And that was giving myself the gift of mindfulness. So the reason I share some of those Mm -hmm. tactical examples is because we don't need to do really big, juicy, deep work to get work done. We can microdose and go small and be just as effective. And I help, I think it helps us pick up momentum too. So good. And, and I, I think it's even like, which I'm really excited thinking about this of the woman who has to go give a presentation at work or go into a meeting and present something where she's really nervous about it, that she right now could pause this podcast and go into the bathroom and put her headphones in and be in her power pose and listen to unstoppable and like tell herself she loves herself and she's so proud of herself and like, hell yeah, let's go like that. I can just visualize someone like taking those tactical things and just like actually doing it in real time. And that makes me so pumped for her. So I love that. So me too. And, and, and her even getting on stage and getting to that point is a fear experiment. It's yeah. her getting uncomfortable. And this is how we get a more comfortable life. Like anybody we read, follow, love, look up to, they got there by a series of uncomfortable situations that led them there. The only reason I got any good on a stage is because I've had so many bad talks and I've had so many moments that have worked and haven't worked. And you know what I mean? And so, but we have to begin and we have to give ourselves grace. But yeah, I love that. I love that you can visualize that too, because for me, um, it's just really powerful. And if you follow me on the gram, you'll see me before talks and I'm sharing that backstage moment with people to like tell people what I do Mm -hmm. because there is power in taking just a few minutes for yourself to like, get your head ready and kind of pump yourself up, you know? Yes. I love that. Okay. So one other concept I wanted to ask you about too is um, in your book, you talked about like when you're making a decision or like looking at a career path, for example, you let's use keynote speaking and we can use another example or whatever, but um, you're looking at that and sometimes our brains like glamorize all the good stuff about it. But you talked about, I think you called it like trade-offs or something in the book of like okay, when we're making a decision of something that we want to do, we have to look at both sides and kind of like pick that we want the negative side and the positive side. Can you talk a little bit about that as a whole so that the person who's thinking and maybe glamorizing an end goal is forgetting that she also needs to love the process too? 
Oh, yeah. I love that you're bringing that up and that you latched onto that. Yeah. So this idea of trade-offs, it's a term I borrowed and remixed a little bit. And I talk about this in the book from the incredible Greg McEwen. I might be saying his last name wrong, but he wrote a book called Essentialism, Mm -hmm. which is a game changer. I talk about it in my book. It's one of the top three business books I've ever read in my life, all about productivity and balance. And the, the disciplined, his book is titled essentialism, which is really the disciplined pursuit of less, right? Less, but better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the ideas he, he leaned into is this idea of trade-offs. And it blew my mind because like you said, it's so easy to look at someone or something and think, oh my God, they have it all. And that's the life I want. You know, you take keynote speaking, for example, oh my God, black cars, cool hotels, um, cool outfits on stage, you know, rocket, you know, all these cool things that it looks like speakers get to do signing books and all yeah. of this stuff. But there are so many trade-offs on the other side, right? Uh, you don't get sick days. Like you got the flu, you're getting up on that stage. You got some, you book a contract next year and someone gets married, you're missing that wedding. I've missed funerals. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are things you're going to miss. Uh, you live in airports, you deal with delays, you are around sick people and germs and you, you, are, you have no control really over a lot of uncontrollable travel things. You are alone a lot. Yeah. You know, you have to, especially being a female, you travel alone. You have to navigate yourself safely throughout the country and the world. And so that's not for everybody. And um, there are, so it's really the whole moral of the story is, and same thing with like being an author, uh, being a parent, being a business owner, there are trade-offs. There are hard, there are beautiful, juicy things to all of it, but then there's really hard stuff. So I'm always telling people, reminding people to just really put together a list like T-square. What are the great things? And then what are the nasty things. And I even in my field research before becoming a keynote speaker, I would make a lot of phone calls and ask around to other people that do this for a living. Like what sucks and what is great so that I could really make a decision, you know, is this what I really want? And you know what? It's what Judy wants and needs right now. But you know what? Maybe later in my life, it won't be. So am I thinking now about what that next job looks like? How will my business evolve? Who am I going to become so that I don't have to live a life on the road, right? What is that? So I think it's a brave thing to be looking at because um, everything's got a shit sandwich, right? There's going to be, you know, there's always going to be something that doesn't taste right about anything you do. And that is a Jen Sincero term that I can't take credit for. Or maybe it's a Mark Maron. Either way, you know, when you read and listen to podcasts, you're like, who said that first? Either way, (laughs) like everything's got something that doesn't taste really great about it. So you just got to determine what flavor of poop yeah. you're willing to eat literally right yeah and like <laughs> what problems lost, do you like want to have favorite way yeah yep. of like thinking about it so I, I love that you into that I, I think it's just really powerful because sometimes we glamorize especially in like a social media carefully curated oh, yeah. content world where you know the woman consuming that content is gla- is looking at this glamorous life but she's got like no bra on like messy bun like salsa on her shirt like gone to a fight with her husband and is like hates her boss <laughs> or something and she's like oh Martha and her off-the-shoulder sweater speaking on all these stages. I don't know, Martha, but you oh, know what I mean. Oh, we got Martha with her off-the-shoulder sweater. <laughs> but you oh, know. she's wearing the perfect cape and like, you know, Louboutins and just, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like Martha had to like work her ass off to get there. So anyways, I love that. And I appreciate that and I think perspective. there's power in being brave enough to your point. There's power in being brave enough to show who you really are. Like as much as I try to think about that all the time on social, like yeah. relatables, like my theme word, I always try to like show the cool things and be proud of what I do and put myself out there because we have to, yep. no one's going to, we have to amplify our businesses and our brand. No one's going to do it for us. Right. Um, and we work hard on all the stuff we create. So, you know, you should be talking about your podcast. You should be talking about your book and all these beautiful things you can do to serve. Right there's a balance, but I'm always trying to remember, you know, am I showing the real life? You know, me with no makeup, the the days where I miss a flight or things are delayed and, or I had a, you know, some crappy thing happen on a stage or power went down or how did I get through that? And I think that's the stuff people want to see. It's fun to see the glamour and Judy, like getting a standing ovation, but I think people are almost more even interested in the oh my God, your power went out. How did you survive that scary moment? Yeah. Or what did you do when you, you know, someone gave you that mean comment online or told you your book sucked or that your title was offensive or whatever it may be. So I think those are those, I think the world is starting to change a little mm-hmm. bit and we're starting to realize that um, we do not put up with the fake anymore yeah. and we can sift through that, yep. you know, and that's gotta be exhausting for the people who do that because it's, it's, you know, 
I don't know how to be anything but just real, yep. right? And so, and that's why, know. and that's why I wanted you to be on the podcast because I creeped on all your stuff, and I was like, I love her. She's so weird, like me. I love it. You're just Yay. like, <laughs> and your car and stuff. I'm like, yes, I love you. So, okay, oh. one thing I wanted to ask you before I move into the final question was just how are you, like, how do you navigate to the woman who is actually deciding that she's scared of other people's reaction to her? new business, to her changing career paths, to her leaving school, going back to school, getting married, having babies, not having babies. Like, I mean, all the things, everybody has something to say. How do you navigate um, other people's opinions of your life choices? I love it. Well, our number one rule in our business is that we do not negotiate with terrorists. So if the, if the comment is not, um, productive or at least facilitating a cool conversation. Uh, we block and bless. Like we do not negotiate. We you, goodbye. Goodbye. You move on. Right. And I always have found that people higher up than you killing it. They, you'll, you'll never see comments like that from people that are killing it. It's people who yeah. are afraid and, and, and light years behind you. And I mean that with love. So I think people, I don't know, hurt people, hurt people. So we just try to block and bless. Right. Yep. Um, so that's point number one. Number two, it is just a part of the territory. And so one of the things someone told me years ago that has stayed with me and it stays with me every time because it hurts. You are going to get people that do not catch your vibe and do not get you and that try to stop you and tell you that you're to this or to that or whatever. They're always, you're going to offend people. If you're doing anything at all, someone's going to, from now and again, not catch it, right? Yeah. Or get your vibe. I mean, think about it. I've read books and you've read books that you probably didn't like, but you are too full of self-love and bossness for yourself and your business that you're not going to waste your time bashing another woman online, yeah. right? You're, you're, you, you, women that love themselves and have transcended fear and understand how to really live this fear boss lifestyle, we don't participate in that behavior. But something someone told me years ago was this, you know, we get so worried about people judging us and making fun of us and not liking liking us and all these things about our lifestyle choices and our business choices. Uh, and the reality is this, and I hate to break it to you and anyone listening, people already don't like you. People are already judging you and people are already making fun of you. So the question is, who are you living your life for? Who are you running your business for yes. you or everybody else? And number two, if they're already talking, we might as well give them something to talk about. Yes, girl. Great. I, I think that's the mic drop moment. Yes. I mean, literally, if I had like a box of mics, I would have just dropped all of them because that was a so box good. Of mics. <laughs> so good. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much. So last thing I wanted to ask is essentially where um where do you like get your productivity from? Like when you have all of the different ideas of where you're going, of like things that you need to do, how do you get yourself like Focus to actually take action because it gave us a lot of good tangible stuff for managing fear. But when you just need to like get ish done, what is like something that you do to kind of center yourself to get focused? Yeah. So remove all distractions. That's number one. I mean, if you're not doing that, do it. I mean, putting the phone on DND, getting, turning off computers if we need to, put lighting a candle, create a vibe, get an environment, put on some music, burn some essential oils. I create an environment and I, I removed, I let my husband know, like, do not call me. My phone's on, do not disturb. Like I literally... I get myself in the zone and yeah. then I take breaks. So I make sure I move my body once every, uh, you know, once uh, I'm getting up every 50 minutes or so, just like walk around a room, do something with my dog, whatever, just to kind of like stretch it out a little bit. And then I do a lot of microdosing. So I do a lot of timer setting yeah. so that I kind of can get up and take those breaks. And, you know, if I, so I don't get overwhelmed. So for example, we're working on our audiobook. We're in the studio next week recording yeah. for Audible, which is so exciting. And I'm finishing the script for that because we're creating this whole audiobook experience and I am just like a little behind and I've been procrastinating which is fear and then I get overwhelmed because I don't know where to start so I just like set a timer and I'm like Judy just sit down for 30 minutes and when that goes off if you are in a bad place get up move around but and then I yeah. kept going and then I got up you know at the hour marker um so I do a lot of timers and I microdose and I create an environment I remove distractions and then I just um you know, I just, you know, start one foot in front of the other. Um, but I show up for myself, yeah. you know, like I sit down to do the work mm. and, um, I, I just don't quit on myself because, so you know, I, I refuse to do it. So, Ugh. okay. So 
Obviously, we can buy your book right now. Tell, give us the rundown of your book, The Audible. Yeah. Where can we find you? Give us all of that. Thank you for asking. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my book, Fearlessly Homeboy, is available right now. Amazon. Uh, it's in airports, about 150 airports all over the mm-hmm. United States. Um, it's Barnes & Noble, Target, all the good online. Wherever you buy books, my book is probably there. Uh, but definitely on Amazon, and I think it's on sale right now. Um, you can follow the Instagram is the number one social media place to hang out with me. DM me directly. And I'm at Judy with an I, J-U-D-I. Holler, H-O-L-L-E-R. Your name fits you so well, too. Like, Can I'm you even? so... Is, was that your maiden name or is that no, what you married? No, I did not take my husband's... I gotta love him, but I had already... You know, we yeah. don't have kids together and I had already had my business and, established. Honestly, just like your uh, last like, name... Okay, this is too good. It's so good. Like, holler. It's like, it just fits you. I love that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, Judy, yeah, yeah. holler. Like, we hyphenated, yeah, we hyphenated like work events and industry things and weddings, you know, and all that, but I haven't legally changed my name. But... So it's J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. That's my website, judyholler.com, at judyholler on the Instagram. Uh, my Audible book, yes. So that'll come out at Christmas. So for the, hey. the audio listener. Now the book, as you know, has so many juicy, tangible yep. takeaways. It's a really good physical book to have. Uh, but it, you know, a lot of people are saying that I'd love to read the book and then listen to you tell yep. the stories. And I'm recording it myself. So we'll be out on Audible uh, this Christmas. So stay tuned for that. And then um, I put together um, a juicy little freebie for your peaks if you want me to share yes, that. Yes, please. So um, if you want to kind of test drive the book, I think I put in a chapter of the book and some downloadable freebies, all kinds of stuff to help you take some of these ideas home with you. Uh, this way you can kind of get to know me and test drive the book without buying a damn thing yeah. and just see if it's your vibe. Um, but uh, you could text the word brave okay. to four seven four seven four seven, and then you'll get a little, you'll get a little text and you just enter your email. So we have permission. We don't spam you. We just love you. Yeah. And then that's how you get the toolbox sent to your email. So if you are the toolbox, rather the, the, all the notes and the freebies from this, this talk, if you will, um, or, or this podcast, if you will. So, uh, seven brave to four, seven, four, seven, four, seven, we'll get you all that juicy stuff. And then of course, uh, Instagram and my book and the audiobooks coming. And I think that's everything. Yes. And we will link all of that good juicy stuff cool. in the show notes. And then just to close this all out, we actually have a Spotify playlist for this podcast and every person that's ever been on the podcast adds a song. I'm guessing you want to add an unstoppable since that's like your anthem. Oh, you, if you don't have it on your list, you have to. I was going to throw you some hip hop. Um, no, give, it, give me like another hip hop song too. We're going to have Okay, both. so put on, perfect. They're themed. So unstoppable by Sia and then nonstop essentially the same thing by Drake. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's a, that's a classic. I love it. It's okay. a rolling out of stopwatch. Uh, it don't have uh, stop. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. And Judy, do that one. I, any last little like nugget or anything that you want to give to the woman who is in her 20s or 30s and she just like, she really wants to just build a life that she loves and she's a little scared and she needs a little Judy holla at her to close this thing out. I would say you are braver than you can even imagine. No one does it your way. And the only way you will make anything happen for yourself, your family, or your business is to experiment with your fear every single day on purpose. I... You are just a freaking firecracker. I absolutely love you. Thank you so much so for being on the show. I'm so excited. I feel like you're my sister from another I, mister. I, I feel the same way. The feeling's so mutual. Thank you so much, Judy. <laughs> and I hope that everyone gets so much insight from this. I can't wait to hear your takeaways. And thank you again so much. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, I would so appreciate it if you share with your girlfriends or better yet, post it on Instagram stories and tag me. Then I can personally say thank you for helping me get this message out there. And if you didn't vibe with it, just keep that to yourself. I'm kind of new here. Still trying to figure it all out. Talk to you soon, girl.